Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's the 12th day of January. We are with Jesus in his journey into the wilderness today. Covering the 13th verse of Mark chapter 1, it says this, And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now, don't think of Satan as this individual pointy tail horns, some sort of angelic being, the word is a, is accuser, and throughout the Hebrew scriptures, it was a it had a definite article in front of it, the accuser, and that's what happens here. The Hebrew rendering back in the Old Testament would have been ha Satan, ha Satan, the accuser. And we've sort of transmorphed that over the years, transliterated that, I guess you could say, into a name, as if it's a name for an individual. But it's actually accusation, the spirit of accusation, whatever accusation looks like. And I personally think that accusation most often comes from us internally, from our own objections. It's the things we have to overcome Now, Mark does not give detail. When he takes Jesus into the wilderness, he takes him quickly, immediately. He has him driven or cast out into the wilderness, definitely by the Spirit. There's almost this juxtaposition between Spirit and Satan in this passage, that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus in, and that while he's there, he faces the the Satan, the Spirit versus the Satan, and in the middle is Jesus. And so the equipment that he has to face the Satan or the voice of accusation, which is maybe more valuable to our understanding, is to see it as the voice of accusation because you know what that voice sounds like. Sometimes it sounds like one of your friends, someone that you love, someone that's in your family. They become the Satan to you. This happened to Jesus. Remember, at one point, he rebukes his good friend Peter and calls him Satan. He says to him, Satan, get thee behind me. And we are not led to assume that Peter is possessed of some ontological being called Satan, but rather that Peter is being an obstacle in the ministry and life of Jesus to the point that Jesus has to silence even his friends. So sometimes we have to even turn the voices down that might be the most have been the most important to us, family, friends, whomever. They cannot continue to minister into our hearts and into our lives. I spoke with a young man recently who is in ministry, but his great the greatest opposition to his walking in Revelation has been his own family who were in ministry for generations. And while there is value in, in, in hearing from your family when you go astray and, and them helping keep you in, you also have to realize that sometimes you walk into a revelation that's going to make enemies out of your own house. Jesus told us this. That doesn't have to be our default position. It's not every time someone disagrees with you, it doesn't mean that they're become an enemy. And they might even have value in their disagreement, but they can't become an accuser. And there's a difference in, in disagreements and accusers. So the accuser here is faced by Jesus for 40 days. 40 holds a connotation to the Hebrew reader. First of all, in a direct 
parallel to Elijah's time at the brook Cherith where he fasts 40 days. Um, That 40 is always an indication of some trial, some big testing. And that goes back to the greater metaphor, which is Israel spending 40 years in the wilderness. The story has Israel marching, essentially just going in circles around Mount Sinai in the wilderness area around that great mountain where Moses had received the Ten Commandments. They were not destined for 40 years in the wilderness. They they came out of Egypt and they were supposed to head to the promised land. They were only a couple weeks out of Egypt when at the base of Mount Sinai, they turned to idolatry. They turned to the gods that they saw in Egypt, and they and that's not even their greatest breach. Their greatest breach is that they don't want to be the kingdom of priests that God wants. They want to relegate that to Moses. And so, really, Israel doesn't want relationship with God, and so they suffer in a wilderness for 40 years until those who don't want that relationship. And essentially, the, the, the 40 years suffering has more to do with not wanting to cross over and take the promised land. But there's a whole conglomerate of things. And that's my point, is that when you go into a wilderness, it's not necessarily because of sin. It's because there are things that need brought to the surface about who you really are. So when Jesus goes into the wilderness, he's not driven by the Spirit because he's got a sin problem. But the Jesus that comes out of the wilderness had things to sort out in the wilderness, and he needed to face the voice of accusation in the wilderness while he's accompanied by the Spirit because he's going to face the voice of accusation in the world, and he's going to face it by the religious leaders. So what you do not prepare for in the wilderness might overwhelm you in prosperity, in comfort, in ease, in the day-to-day. So the Jesus you see functioning in the Gospels is the Jesus who knows he's his father's son, has been baptized into that reality, but didn't just come up dripping with water and towel himself off and go to his first miracle. No, he took that identity, that baptism, and he walked down into the darkest place so that he could confront whatever needs confronted. Now, Mark doesn't give it to us, but it's not fair to me to not say a word about what happens in that wilderness if we're going to spend so much time on it. So I just I want to conclude today with the following thoughts that when Jesus goes down into the wilderness to face the devil, to face Satan, he faces three temptations. Turn the stones to bread, throw yourself off the cliff, bow down and I'll give you everything. And I, I don't want to spend too much time, but I just want to say that it looks to be the things that Jesus needs to confront the most if he's going to be a success in ministry, he needs to he needs to be confronted with the easy solution to big problems. He needs to know how to he needs to know how to step past the temporary gratification to long term problems. Turning stones to bread doesn't solve the issue, and so there's a they're turning to the miraculous can't be his first response. And that's going to be a great temptation. Throw yourself off the cliff. The angels will bury you up unless you cast your foot against a, dash your foot against a stone. Not only is it tempting the Lord, but it's a misuse of scripture. And Jesus, who is going to be able to talk with the best of them, needs to confront that low-hanging fruit of twisting scriptures to his own advantage. And he needs confronted with that early so that he's not confronted with it often. Um, 
Also, by throwing himself off the cliff, he establishes himself as the miraculous early on in his ministry. Who's not going to believe the guy that fell 40 feet, 100 feet, and didn't get hurt? That He is not even going to need the cross if he does that. It's really an excuse away from the cross. And the final temptation to bow knee is to participate with Satan in ruling the world through Satan's way. And it's a greater temptation than we think because it's really the temptation to pick up the sword of violence and retribution and do things the way the world does it. Some people actually think that Jesus will do this when he comes back. He'll actually resort to the violent ways. I heard a preacher this week say, when he comes back the next time, he's not playing around. He's going to pick a sword up and he's going to slaughter his enemies, which made me think, what was he doing the first time? Apparently he was playing around. We have a very low Christology, by the way. He then leaves the wilderness. We're going to leave it with him, begin his Galilean ministry tomorrow. I hope you've had a great time with me and the DDP. Have a great day. God bless.